hey, hey, welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. I'm Maggie. And I'm Julia. And we're sitting down to have a little chat about a book, as we do every time. (laughs) Very excited about it. For a hot second, I was like, oh no, do I have to talk first because because of the Patreon? No. It was like, uh... Just that but, every so often I get nervous. I'm like, what do I, I say? I do too. <laughs> uh, but but Maggie, quick question for you. Um, yes, tell me. Do you know what I love more than books? Mm, what? Free books. Oh, I thought you were going to say V.E. Schwab. Oh, well, obviously. <laughs> but if you sign up for a 30-day trial of audio Audible Premium using the link audibletrial.com slash novelfinds, you can get a free audiobook. Wait, I sign up at audibletrial.com slash novelfinds and just automatically get a free book? Yep, you get a credit for whatever audiobook you want. And if you're me, it'd probably be a V.E. Schwab book. But the world is your oyster. This feels like when Belle saw the Beast Library for the first time. I think it is. Uh, so sign up for a free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash novelfinds for your free audiobook today. And if you're interested, that information will be in our episode's bio. Yeah. Check it out. So this episode today is sponsored by Audible. Thank you, It's very exciting. I feel like we're so professional. (laughs) Maybe I should delete that. I think if we have to point out that we're super professional... We're probably not quite there yet, okay. but it's still a very exciting time. It's an exciting step forward yeah, to professionalism. I, I agree. If you or anyone you know wants to sponsor an episode, let us know. Hit us up. We yeah. will do your ads and they'll be, be just fun. as fun. <laughs> if not slightly awkward. Most likely slightly yeah. awkward. Uh-huh. That's just who we are as people. We can't um, help it. But today... Tell us what book we're talking about, Maggie. Today, we are talking about Mexican Gothic. It is by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a random choice for us. We actually had a different book slated for today, and we were doing mm-hmm. this book as like a buddy read. And then we just felt like we had so many thoughts that we needed to push it to a real episode. And also, neither of us finished our reread of the other book. So we were like... <laughs> A win-win. We'll just talk about this book instead. It was a moment of inspiration. I was literally putting like eyeliner on or something. And then I stopped to text you. And I was like, what if we talk about Mexican Gothic instead of the other book? And I think both of us felt the weight lift off our shoulders. Absolutely. Because the other book, as amazing as it is, it just, it takes a while to read. It's dense and long and fingers crossed we get to it during season two mm-hmm. but we just we're not ready right now our lives are no. busy it, they are busy it is a busy time it's not summer so no so we just have a lot going on yeah um well to kick it off how about i read a little summary that sounds great sweet so to give credit where credit is due i am actually reading the summary off of goodreads just nice. so you guys know After receiving a frantic letter from her newlywed cousin begging for someone to save her from a mysterious doom, 
Noemi Taboada heads to High Place, a distant house in the Mexican countryside. She's not sure what she will find. Her cousin's husband, a handsome Englishman, is a stranger, and Noemi knows little about the region. Noemi is also an unlikely rescuer. She's a glamorous debutante, and her chic gowns and perfect red lipstick are more suited for cocktail parties than amateur sleuthing. But she's also tough and smart, with an indomitable will, and she is not afraid. Not of her cousin's new husband, who is both menacing and alluring. Not of his father, the ancient patriarch who seems to be fascinated by Noemi. And not even of the house itself, which begins to invade her dreams with visions of blood and doom. Her only ally in this inhospitable abode is the family's youngest son. Shy and gentle, he seems to want to help Noemi, but might also be hiding dark knowledge of his family's past. For there are many secrets behind the walls of High Place. The family's once colossal wealth and faded mining empire kept them from prying eyes. But as Noemi digs deeper, she unearths stories of violence and madness. And Noemi, mesmerized by the terrifying yet seductive world of High Place, may soon find it impossible to ever leave this enigmatic house behind. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. I heard enigmatic and immediately thought of Patrick. I was like, my mind is an enigma. Um, (laughs) So this is where we're at today. (laughs) Great. So it's going well. Yeah. You want some fun facts to Um, go with that horrifying summary? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) All right. So... These fun facts come directly from um, the author Sylvia Moreno-Garcia's website, and they're more kind of factual versus like super fun and flirty, kind of like the other ones that I find, but it's really just based on the stuff she puts on her website. So Mexican Gothic got a ton of awards. It got the Locus Award, British Fantasy Award, Pacific Northwest Book Award, the Aurora Award, and a Goodreads Award, which is one, two, three, five. There's five different awards for this book, which is pretty cool. Ooh, very cool. I know, right? And she lives in Canada. I think that's what I read on the website. But she's a a columnist a columnist, columnist uh, for the Washington Post. So that's kind of exciting for her. And then she has a master's degree and her thesis paper is available. And it's all about women and eugenic thought in the work of H.P. Lovecraft, which Mm -hmm. I thought really makes sense considering this book. So. Are you kidding me? That totally makes sense. Yeah, and you can read it for free if you go to her website it's linked there. So very cool. Yeah. I thought those were all kind of fun, kind of interesting, you know. Yeah. Good, good fun facts. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, I felt really time. bad because the last time I forgot to do fun facts. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> oh, I was just very busy and was like, oh. all right, all the questions are done. I don't need to do anything else. And then literally the day that we, recorded for normal people i was like ah shoot i forgot oh my goodness but i don't think anybody holds it against you i do not oh thanks well you're the only one that really matters that's true just kidding all of you matter but (laughs) as a host (laughs) just maggie's opinion is slightly above that's right so julia how did you come across this book so our friend amy 
from Missoula, who's also from season one, episode two. She actually sent me this book. Nice. Yeah. It was a surprise book, actually. Um, Yeah, I was helping MCT with some stuff. And then she sent me a couple books, which was super exciting. So that's very exciting. Yeah. Um, How did you come across this book, Maggie? Yes, I actually have no idea. Um, (laughs) I must have read the back cover and thought it was intriguing at some point, and it's just Mm -hmm. been on my bookshelf. So, all right. I don't remember when I purchased it or where I purchased it, but it was while I've been living in Scotland because I had it here. Huh. So, it just showed up. Tis a mystery. Is Um, it your roommate's or is it yours? No, it's mine. It's it's been in my room. But I literally do not remember. You know, that's something I think that I would probably do as a roommate. (laughs) If I just found a book that I think you would like if we were roommates, I'd probably just like secretly put it in your room and see if you notice that it's there. Yes. But I also think that you would have mentioned it at some point. Because if that's the case, (laughs) right, three weeks later, and I'm like, did you even look at your bookshelf? Have you noticed anything? (laughs) It would be weird if you didn't. So, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's a fun game here uh, at my house where the kids um, will sometimes come in around holidays and hide a holiday gnome in my house. A holiday gnome? Yeah. It's like the little gnomes with the giant hats that cover their eyes. So it's only their nose and a beard. Um, and then they're like interesting holiday specific gnomes. So I have a bunch of Halloween ones. They started it. And then I have some Christmas ones and a Valentine's one and a St. Patrick's Day one now. Um, they didn't actually mention anything when the St. Patrick's Day one came in. And so I saw it like right before stepping into the shower and was like, where did this come from? And so then I was just like standing in the shower thinking about whether or not I got this gnome and put it there or if it just showed up because I couldn't think about like I couldn't remember. Um, It was quite disconcerting, but I would imagine so. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So Maggie, I have a question for you that is semi related to this book. Oh, okay. Yeah. How much would you need to be paid to stay overnight being a full 24 hours in a legitimately haunted house? I have to be honest. I think it's just got to be a no from me. (laughs) You know, like how haunted are we talking? Like you see some ghosts. They maybe try to interact with you. I mean, are they going to try to murder me or am I just kind of looking at them? Uh, I don't know. Take it where you want to take it. Because if they're just there and they're just kind of looking at me and I'm just kind of giving them their space, that's Mm -hmm. fine. But if they're actively trying to destroy my life, Mm -hmm. I can't. I can't do it. Because even if I survived the 24 hours, it that would just be years and years and years of therapy. Therapy. And... (laughs) and help that I would need to get over it. (laughs) So that's a no from me. All right. All right. Yeah. I kind of agree with you there. (laughs) 
<laughs> like I wrote this question fully knowing that you could not pay me any amount of money to stay in a scary haunted house. If it was a not scary haunted house, I think it would probably be fine. Like one of my childhood homes is haunted, but I never saw the ghosts. So Okay. Well, then that's yeah. fine, right? Yeah. I just heard stories about them. Yeah. But then you can stay there and not be bothered. For the most part. I mean, I think the last time I was there, I tried interacting with them and nothing really happened. So hmm. it's fine. I, I'm cool with it. It's okay. Are you sure? Are <laughs> yeah. you okay? <laughs> uh, so leading into the genre of this book, uh, based on that question, obviously it is a horror. And because it's called Mexican Gothic, it is a gothic horror. Uh, it is. Which is not surprising, um, which is not really either of our genres. Maybe gothic, but horror, yeah. not particularly. Not really. I read a little bit of Stephen King, but I don't really read a ton of horror. And even gothic fiction, I'm not a huge fan of because that's mostly like Wuthering Heights and Jane Eyre. Mm. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's not, it's like not really my vibe. Prejudice. It's yeah. What, earlier? Gothic is earlier than Austin time? It's a little bit earlier, I think, but it's also just a different genre from this, from a lot of it is in like the same Victorian era. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just, it's got a darker vibe. Yeah. 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 It's never really been my genre. So I was, I was, in, I was surprised by how much that I enjoyed reading this, especially when I read the back and they're like, Oh, it reminds me of a modern day Wuthering Heights. And I was like, um, hmm, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> like, okay. I Question did not really mark. enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> um, oh. Julia, yes. what three words would you use to describe Mexican Gothic? Mm. Really freaking weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I was initially thinking adjectives, but we're just going with that. It's really freaking weird. Okay. The, mm-hmm. Are you sticking with those ones? Yep. What What are your three words? Okay. I would say hauntingly beautiful and foreboding. Okay. So I'm so going to count that those. together and we have a blurb for the front of the book. You're welcome. <laughs> Really freaking weird, but also hauntingly beautiful and slightly foreboding. I don't know if she's going to want really freaking weird on the front of her book, but something you can ask Sylvia. (laughs) No, maybe we'll put it on the front of the post, our Instagram post. Yeah. (laughs) That's smart. Uh, That'd be funny. funny. Well, Julia, I feel like you have a lot of opinions. So what do do you think it is about this book that appeals (laughs) to other people? Uh, Okay. So (laughs) I think that this book is slightly traumatizing enough or slightly grotesque enough that when you finish reading it, you just feel kind of like you're covered in a layer of dust and kind of gross, like you came out of this journey that you just want to shower off of you, but you don't have anyone to talk to about it. Mm -hmm. And so 
you give it to other people to read to slightly traumatize to make them feel like they're also covered in like this weird dust uh and then you can talk about it together so i think that it's just the the book itself is just weird enough that you want other people to read it it's like when something smells and you put it to someone and you say hey smell this <laughs> you know <laughs> That's how I feel. I'm sure that's not the case for a lot of people. Um, But in terms of like my life, I'm pretty sure I told you to read this because it was gross and I wanted to talk to you about it. Accurate. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's just who I am as a person. Why do you think, because this is a New York Times bestseller, uh, this book appeals to others? Yeah, I think... Honestly, it has part partially to do with the fact that it's so different. I haven't read a book like this before, um, at least not at the level of like horror and gothic romance that it's at. And especially because the gothic romance hasn't been written since like Rebecca or Jane Eyre. Mm-hmm. I think it's like such a new take on it that people are very, very interested by it. And I also think it, it it is really, really well written. I mean, it is very weird. But I felt like I could not stop reading it. I could, Once I had started it, I could not put it down. I and wanted then, to put it down and then couldn't. <laughs> yeah, it just, I was like, I felt like I was in a trance. I just like, I could not stop reading this book. And then I finished it and I was like, whoa, that was a bizarre experience. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's like a, it is a conversation starter and it gives you a lot to think about. Yeah, I think it does worthwhile. It goes a lot into eugenics, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of cool. Um, being that, I mean, I didn't look up the definition, but eugenics is like the the study of different races, right? I think so. Well, like DNA. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, Noemi being spanish and then she's going to this old house where they're like uh very white very like old money kind Mm -hmm. of situation um there's a bit of a superiority complex there and the discussion of eugenics is interesting mildly upsetting but Noemi is a very strong character, so I think she handled everything pretty well. Yeah, she doesn't ever let herself get bulldozed. So to kind of talk about that for just a little bit. So Noemi goes to this house because Catalina, her cousin, is basically going crazy. And they say that Mm -hmm. she has tuberculosis, but she like keeps saying that the walls are talking to her and she needs to get out and they're trying to kill her. And Noemi goes... We never see her cough blood, so obviously it's not tuberculosis. I know. Such a (laughs) lie. Even I knew that, and I'm not a medical professional. Um, But the family is so bizarre. Like, they don't have any heat. They always keep the curtains drawn. They don't use electricity. They don't let Noemi, like, speak at dinner well none of them speak at dinner none of that was the weirdest thing it was just like she said something because it was awkwardly silent at dinner and then the response was we don't talk during dinner and 
it was really awkward. It was really mm-hmm. awkward. Um, but you basically find out that there's a reason they're asking her all of these questions about her history. And they're talking about like inferior and superior genes, not just like with race, but like with people, mm-hmm. which is not appropriate anyway. But like no, how they like, I don't know, have better eyesight or uh, traits that you would want <laughs> to yeah. pass down to your children. Uh, uh, yeah. That was, whole family, though. That whole family is so weird. So weird. And <laughs> there are very, very – I. I cannot give it away because it was truly one of the grossest plot twists of my life. Is it around page 200? Yes. But Mm -hmm. there's a reason that they're asking her all of this. And she's come and the minute she steps through the door, they basically have this plan for her that she doesn't realize. Mm -hmm. And it is spooky, you guys. Oh, and disgusting. And disgusting. Yeah, I swore out loud when I read that part. Uh, uh, yeah, it is gross. Um, moving on, though, do you have a favorite line or section from this book? It was kind of hard. Least favorite line or section? Um, I don't really have, like, a section, like, a line or anything. I think, mm-hmm. in general, I liked the way that it was written. I liked the cadence of the writing it was really really beautiful but also really biting and sharp Mm -hmm. i thought she had like a really witty point of view which i thought was interesting yeah because she's a socialite yes but she's like a very intelligent socialite which i mean not to say that socialites are airheads but that's kind of the stereotype that gets put out there yeah and she's very flaky but she's very smart Mm-hmm. I, I really liked her as a character. It was a fun point of view to be in. I don't I don't know. I don't really have like a favorite part. In general, like I enjoyed it all the same amount until like the ending where I was disgusted. And then the very ending kind of disappointed me. I kind of wanted more from it, but that's fair. Um my least favorite part is definitely this is a spoiler. If you're reading this book, <laughs> skip, 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 skip. My least favorite part is when the black sludge went into her mouth. (laughs) And yes, it was so gross. So for context, what happened is basically they have decided that she is better than their cousin and she needs to marry the other son to like have children with this family so that their, their bloodline can continue because their patriarch basically inhabits the body of like the next male. He dies, but his soul is transferred, which is spooky and weird. So this old man gives her like a piece of his body, like through the mouth, like and this black sludge enters her body. So then she's stuck in the house. She's trapped there. All right. So keep skipping because I'm going to keep talking about this part Um, (laughs) for spoilers. Uh, More of the context, though, with him pushing the black sludge into her mouth, he is also but naked and wrinkly and boily and gross on the bed. Like they were at dinner and she is like, well, I really like we should, I need to go. And they're like, well, we can skip dessert, but our dad wants to say, or grandfather wants to say goodbye first. And so they take her up to the room. And the first thing she sees is this 
butt-ass naked old man covered in boils with black around his mouth. And then they force her to like kiss him. And it's just, it is the, literally, I almost stopped reading the book after this. because It is so it gross. It is so gross. But also it's not just boils. So basically they have found a magical mushroom that allows them <laughs> to live. So the mushroom is like a part of the house, which is why Catalina can see ghosts, quote unquote. It's because Mm -hmm. she's seeing the memories because the mushrooms allow the soul to go on for a very, very long time. So this man, because he is so old and ready to be transferred to the next body, he's literally covered in mushrooms. He's like becoming a mushroom. It's weird. So (laughs) me saying this is a really freaking weird book is very accurate. Um, it's not even downplaying or overemphasizing any of it. No. This is a weird book. Um, <laughs> There's a mushroom man. <laughs> Do you know the mushroom man? <laughs> he lives in high place. Okay. <laughs> All right. I want to share my favorite line with you, though. Um, yes, please. Because I thought it was super cool. And I honestly hadn't even thought about it, but it's when she, Noemi, is starting to figure out what's what might be wrong. So it's before this gross stuff with grandfather happens. Um, And she was like, I think there might be some sort of substance. And she's talking to Francis about it. And the interesting between her and thing between her and Francis is they, I mean, the book is written in English, but. It is noted that they speak Spanish to each other mm-hmm. because no one in the house speaks Spanish. And so no one understands what they're saying to each other so they can still talk privately. Uh, whereas when you're speaking English, everything can be heard throughout the house because of the connection with these weird mushrooms. But Noemi is is talking about uh, take that old saying, mad as a hatter. People said hatters were prone to going crazy, but it was the materials they worked with. They Mm -hmm. inhaled mercury vapors when they made felt hats. You still have to be careful with that stuff nowadays. You can mix mercury into paints to control mildew, but under the right conditions, the compounds give off sufficient mercury vapor to make people sick. You could have everyone in a room going mad, and it's the paint job. So she's like, almost hitting the nail on the head yeah and this is when they're like oh we kind of got to speed this process up because she's figuring it out and currently she can still leave yep yeah so i but i thought that was just so interesting because it's not even something i would have ever thought about is like mad as a hatter obviously it was the chemicals it's not it's not that they're mad because they're making hats. They're, no, it's just they're a crazy mad profession. because it's mercury vapors. <laughs> well, so just kooky. You want a bucket hat? Oh God. <laughs> oh yeah. It's just it started making me think about Alice in Wonderland and all of de- the depictions of Mad Hatters throughout the years. Oh like, yeah. Oh, it this is cool. It made me think of that too. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Julia. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite character? I always feel bad when I'm like, this is my favorite character, but I don't remember their name. <laughs> 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 because 
<laughs> because it's just I'm terrible with names. I'm better with faces. Like I'll recognize someone but not remember what their name is. Um but I think the townspeople, so like the doctor and then the like witch woman. Yeah, she's cool. We're both in town just trying to help. They were like genuinely kind to Noemi when Noemi was trying to figure stuff out. And they were normal. They were normal people. Um, Noemi is also pretty cool. I liked her as well. Yeah. But everyone else was really weird. And I didn't particularly care about their safety or what (laughs) happened to them because they were weird. That's fair. Do you have a favorite character? Um, Noemi, bar none. Yeah. I loved her. She is so worth rooting for. Mm -hmm. She's so smart and so witty and so fun to be in the head of. Like, I loved all of her thoughts. I loved getting to be with her. I think that's like... Part of why I loved the book so much, too, is that I could just, like, sit with this character for a really long time. Even though everything in the book (laughs) was crazy, I was just like, I just want to, like, be with Noemi. Right? Like, going to a party with Noemi would be fun. Oh, my gosh. It would be so much fun. Right? Um, Okay. Would you bring anything out of this book into the world? Girl, are you out of your mind? (laughs) We got to ask it. Okay. Um... I guess I would take Noemi's outfits. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks for you, though. Thank you. Because you really <laughs> like wearing dresses and period outfits. That's true. But That's not true. like old-timey period. No, just, just like, like fashionably late to mid-1900s outfits. Girl, you get me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're friends or something. <laughs> or something. It's like we talk every day. We do um, almost every do. day. It's really fun. It is. It's so even, cute. Even if it's just like little memes that we share with each other. <laughs> I love it. You it's guys, so fun. the background on Julia's phone is my dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So sidebar. <laughs> so, I was at work the other day. Normally I work kind of remotely. Uh but it's just at the park, the parks and rec department near my house. And so I go in about three times a week and my alarm went off on my phone when my boss was standing behind me and he was like, oh, is that your dog? And I looked at him and was like, nope, <laughs> and, and just left it there. And then he laughed and was like, oh, so you just put a random dog on the back of your phone. I was like, no, this is my friend Maggie's. She co-hosts uh, the podcast with me because I talk about the podcast at work sometimes. Um, nice. But I just thought it was really funny because it would also track with the personality that I bring into the park that I would have a random dog as my phone's background, even though I am more of a cat person. That just goes with the chaotic goblin energy I put out there. I genuinely love that. Uh, but yeah matilda is like a little alien dog and i think she's hilarious so i have her as my phone's background in lock screen (laughs) thank you so much she is hilarious i considered changing it to a picture of my cat and so then i tried it and i was like nah it's not the same and i changed it back (laughs) to matilda (laughs) what picture is it um it is one where she's like herp derping on a blanket Oh, that's a good one. Looking at you. Yeah. 
I think you sent it to me at one point. Like I was having a bad day or something and you sent me Matilda just looking up at the camera on a blanket. I was like, this actually does make me feel better. Matilda so has a gift. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. All right. Sidebar okay. over. Yes. Um, um, Julia, yes. if you could bring anything out of this book into our world, what would it be and why? Nothing. Nice. <laughs> I mean, Good it's move. already kind of set in in like an earthly setting it's set outside of mexico city right yes it's like a few hours north or something yeah so it's already in north america and everything is pretty much the same it's just like a period historical historically gothic horror book all of the things um so there's nothing really new in this book that would Mm -hmm. be worth bringing outside of those crazy mushrooms and i would leave those in the book yeah me too no Mm -hmm. thank you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we talked about the antagonist already a little bit is there anything else we want to add onto that oof i don't think there's much else to add i think maybe sidebar a little bit Mm -hmm. so there's like the family patriarch is his name howard Yes, yes. There's Howard and then Virgil. And who Virgil. Is the hot son married to Catalina. Yes. And, he, and then there's Francis. And then who there's is Francis. Virgil's cousin. So I think, in a way, that they are all evil. Howard's just evil because he's evil. He yeah. lives he's forever. He's lived and- for way too long. Yeah. Like your, your sense of priority and well-being for other people gets completely warped when you live that long i think i think so too and he's very selfish but then the other two like francis is doing his best but he is evil because he lets things happen he's right he's like so passive in his life Mm -hmm. but then virgil is like actively evil yeah he's like kind of maniacal like he's deeply unwell and very scary and very threatening to his wife and to Noemi, and it is no good. It's Mm-mm. not very nice. Mm-mm. Um, so I personally I think he's like the true villain, even though there's a bigger antagonistic force. That's fair. I could see that. Yeah, Virgil. The way that the mushrooms work in that they can push visions into your brain and Virgil like actively manipulating what Noemi is seeing to like the detriment of herself really messed with me because in the book there's like no separation between the vision and present life if that makes sense like yes. you don't you don't know that it's a vision until after she snaps out of it um and that was really what is the word i'm looking for i don't know but it was really overwhelming to then mm-hmm. snap out of it because like being so worried for her well-being in what's currently happening and then realizing oh it didn't currently happen but maybe it did is super gaslighty and it was it was hard to read it was hard to read but i also thought um that part was like really well written oh it is it's super well written yeah i just 
had such a hard time with this book that I probably won't be reading it again. Oh, no. Yeah, that makes like, sense. Yeah. It's a little too much for me. But also, like, I don't particularly enjoy scary things. So, Also true. Yes. We can't mm-hmm. forget that. Yeah. I still like to branch out every now and then. But, yeah, I, I don't need to read this book again. Um, All right. Are we done with the antagonist? I know I kind of interrupted you. <laughs> yes, we're done. <laughs> all right. Um, do you know if this book is a movie or a show? It is a going to be a show. It's been awesome. Is it really? Yes, by Hulu. Dang. Okay. Hulu coming in with all of the book adaptations. Yeah, they really are. So, Do they know who's being cast yet? I really think that it was like just optioned maybe. Mm-hmm. I had looked it up. It was like one of the first things that came up when I looked up the the book TV show. Let's see. Because I have a couple ideas if we don't have people already set. Just says it's coming to Hulu and that's it. It just says it's coming. Okay. It's being produced by Kelly Ripa. Okay. Um that and that seems is weird. It does seem weird and that is all I see about it. <laughs> okay. She's married to someone really attractive. Hmm. What? Who is he? He is, I think it is Veronica's dad from Riverdale. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's all I know. Anyway, do you have any ideas on cast? I do. Thank you for asking. Um. So I think for Catalina, because she is, well, I mean, I guess it could be either Catalina or... Noemi, I don't really know, but I think um, the girl who played Veronica in Riverdale would be a good fit for that Mm. person, for one of those characters, Um, just because she's really pretty, um, and I think that she could do it really well. Interesting, yes. Yeah, Uh, so I think she would be good, and then, okay, have you watched Captain America, the first Avenger? What? Of course I have. Okay, good. I just, I don't always know. (laughs) So I think Francis should be the person who was like the body double for Steve Rogers before he turned all buff. (laughs) Like the sickly, very thin, frail man. (laughs) (laughs) I think he should be Francis. I think that checks out. Iconic, yes. <laughs> like, that's literally all I was thinking. I love that. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know. I mean, if I could cast Noemi, it would be like a young Stephanie Beatriz. Mm. But okay. She could be the witchy woman. She could be the witchy woman. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure who I would cast as Noemi, though. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Someone vivacious. Yes. And I feel like we're obviously like people our age can still play like 22-year-olds, but it's getting to the point of where I don't always know younger actors anymore, I feel like. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Also, people that are in their 30s should not be playing young 20s. Personally, that adds to the complex of like – body dysmorphia or dysphoria and all of that fun stuff when people see 
other people that are supposed to be their age, but actually they've just had more time to have a workout routine and eat healthy. Well, I just remember they like looked more mature. Mm-hmm. Like I remember watching Disney Channel movies and thinking that that's how I would look when I hit high school. And then I didn't and I was confused. And then I found mm-hmm. out that those people were like 25, 26, 27 playing 16 year olds. It's just weird yeah. because I I thought that I would look more mature or something. Yeah. And I didn't. I mean, I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, from a filming standpoint, I don't think you can film as many hours with minors. Yeah. And so if you want something put out faster, then you have to hire people that aren't minors to do it. And I think it's probably healthier for your mental state if you are older than, you know, 18 when you're filming because I feel like that whole environment gets kind of toxic sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I don't want to see 28-year-olds playing 18-year-olds unless you're Tom Holland. But he's like 25 and still looks like he's 16. <laughs> <laughs> or Except do we the just muscles. No, he doesn't. He, does. he does not. <laughs> Good point. Uh, so we've been tricked <laughs> our whole lives. <laughs> uh, hot takes, deep takes. I don't know. Um, from Novel Finds podcast, which actually talks about books and not movies. In case anyone forgot, <laughs> we know very little about casting. <laughs> but I think um, we would be very good at casting stuff if if we were hired to do so. Honestly, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um. Okay. So. If you could, would you be a character from this book? And if yes, who would you be and why? If I had to pick somebody, I would be Noemi because she's a badass and she's super cool and she has awesome outfits. It's like Mm -hmm. she's taking down the world in really pretty dresses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like kind of my dream. But I don't want anything that's happened to her to happen to me. Also fair. Mm -hmm. So, yes. (laughs) What about you? I get that. Uh, we're just going to keep going with that witchy woman, you know, witchy woman. Yeah. yeah. She does her stuff at her house and tells really cool stories and gets paid in cigarettes to give to an angel statue, <laughs> which I thought was funny personally. Cause I was like, okay, not paid in real money, just paid in like goods and services. That's pretty cool. She's um, kooky. She is kooky. And I mean, she really does just want to help. And she's just living her own life, doing her own thing, not really involved with what's happening up at High Place. Yeah. uh, Which I can appreciate. So if I had to be a character, I would be that character. Good choice. Good choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, Julia, last questions. How are we already there? I don't know. Last question. Okay. Um, do you have any book recommendations for people looking for something similar to Mexican Gothic? I do. I have two. Um, one is actually the novelization of a movie. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. It was the first book that I actually read that was a novelization of the movie, and I didn't quite understand that that's what it was going to be. But the novelization, if you're looking for a book or just watch the movie, Crimson Peak, that has Mm. Tom Hiddleston in it 
It's got ghosts and hauntings and it is very gothic. Um, I don't remember when I watched it. I think I watched it when it came out and then I saw a book of it and was like, oh, this is a book first. And then I bought it and then read the book. I was like, this is just exactly what the movie was. Um, so <laughs> that's nice. when I learned. Um, either of them, I think, would work in that regard. But then also The 13th Tale by Diane Setterfield. Oh, it's, I've not heard of this. Yeah, it's not very gothic. It does take place in like an older kind of decrepit home um but it has like the same kind of decaying vibe that mexican gothic has it's just um there's this author who has a very tragic past and so as you're reading it you're also learning about the tragic past i don't Mm. even remember the ending i read it so long ago i think i read it in high school um But I kept it. It's over on my shelf. And I was like, huh, okay, cool. Um, But yeah, that one I think has a similar vibe. Yes. Yeah. What about you? Do you have any book recs? Yes. um, I, it was kind of tough. I, my first thought was like Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, of Mm -hmm. course. Um, So that's definitely my first recommendation. It's not my favorite book, but I think if you haven't read it, it's always worth a read unless you know the plot twist. Okay. The movie not and have is not, not worth it. it, but the book is pretty good. I feel like, Julia, you might enjoy it. And then kind of my other thought is kind of along the same vein, like Jane Eyre. Mm, um, okay. Just because obviously it's not to the same extent, but it has like what's going on in the house and like mm-hmm. – a f- mysterious and foreboding male figure is still there. Is that and the one where someone is like in the attic? Yes. Because I also haven't read that one. I just know that that's a thing. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. He had a wife and she's in the attic. Locked you know up. what? Maybe I have read it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is not Okay. <laughs> it's weird and creepy. But those are <laughs> those are like my instincts is to give those two because even though Mexican mm-hmm. Gothic was like very modern, I felt, but it was playing off of those same tropes and that mm-hmm. genre. So that's why I wanted to give Rex similar to those. All right. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yours are kind of in the classics. And then the two that I are kind of closer. So there you yes. go. Two classics, two modern-ish. There we go. You guys, we're we're mixing it up. We're giving you lots of different book recommendations. You're welcome. And with that, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family. If you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. We're off to record our newest mini-sode for our Patreon, so if you're interested in joining our Novel Finds community on Patreon, follow the link in our bio. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thank you so much for being a novel friend. We'll see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.